The Water Values Podcast, Session 64. Welcome to the Water Values Podcast. This is the podcast dedicated to water utilities, resources, treatment, reuse, and all things water. Now here's your host, Dave McGimsey. Hello and welcome to another session of the Water Values Podcast. As my son Joey said, I'm Dave McGimsey and thanks for joining me. Well, I hope everyone had a safe and fun holiday weekend here in the United States. And if you're outside the U.S. like one of our recent web survey respondents, I hope you had a great couple of weeks since our last episode. Uh, Speaking of listeners outside the U.S., a a recent web survey respondent from Denmark indicated uh, a desire to get a representative of a certain non-U.S. technology company in the water sector on for an interview. Just to let you know, I've reached out and am awaiting a return email. And that's true for a lot of the requests. We had a number of specific uh, guests that you've identified, and I've reached out to a number of them, still waiting uh, on some callbacks. Some have, some have responded, uh, but we're, I'm doing my best to get all of your requests uh, on. Rest assured, I'm going to work to bring you those guests and topics that you want to hear, uh, but there's no possible way I can fill them all in the short term. Uh, so please, if you haven't already, uh, take that listener survey because I am checking them out. I'm tr- I'm doing my best to, again, listen to you. And uh, it's on the website at thewatervalues.com. Let me know what you think, who you want to hear about, or what topics you want to hear about. Uh, so let's get on to today's interview. And today we have Greg McPartland, the CEO of Parjana on. Greg's here to explain a very cool technology uh, that his company owns the patent on. And the Parjana technology functions as as, as Greg describes it, an artificial tree root that uses capillary action to enhance infiltration of surface water into the ground. Uh, and the list of applications for this Parjana technology grows steadily. And I think you're really going to enjoy hearing the story of Parjana and its technology. So with that said, let's get on with it. Open the valves, fasten your seatbelts, and here we go. Well, Greg, thanks so much for coming on to the Water Values Podcast. Really appreciate your time. Uh, to start off, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got interested in water? Well, um, I'm originally from the Detroit area. I was born and raised a Detroit boy. I, um, my fascination with water is I understood and I looked at what are the biggest market opportunities that are going to be emerging over the next 5, 10, and 20 years. And I understood the ramifications years ago of the the vital importance water would play. And how I really look at water is that water is our number one issue that we must address as humanity, because if we don't address the water issue, nothing else matters. Water is at the core and is the heart of all of our issues. Terrific. And and could you tell us a little about your background? How did you kind of get to where you are now? Uh, well, once again, I was born and raised in the Detroit area. Uh, my dad worked in the auto fact, you know, the auto industry. My mom cleaned teeth. Um, spent my whole life here in Michigan. I left uh, Michigan and um, traveled the world. I did an international MBA over in Australia, and from there, I moved to Washington D.C. And from that, I was able to evolve into. Uh, traveled to about 52 different countries over the last dozen or so years. Oh, wow. And uh, I got very involved. I actually became, um, I was a partner in an emerging water technology company in Brazil. 
So I spent a number of years there, which was really focused on water aeration and the cleaning of water. And from that, I have a, being emerged in the water sector, one of my, I would actually say not one of my, my greatest gift or my greatest ability is to put really smart people together. I always like surrounding people, you know, surrounding myself with people smarter than I am. And I had a very great team of thought leaders and water leading uh, experts. And what I did was I kind of become a, um, a, just call it a filter for different technologies and different ideas. And somehow it evolved where people were bringing different water technologies to me. And I was vetting these technologies through my strategic partners from these, from these um, people that I've aligned myself with in regards to really thought leaders in the water sector. And from that, whether I was facilitating those ideas, brokering those technologies, some way I was playing a role in the water sector. And about four years ago now, uh, I was introduced by a contact of mine uh, to Andrew Niemczyk. And Andrew Niemczyk is the inventor of the Parjana technology. And once I saw this technology and see it work, firsthand with my own eyes. I always say, I walk through life with my eyes wide open. I'm always looking for opportunity. And when I seen this opportunity and I understood the ramifications of this technology, I literally divested with myself of everything else. And since that point in time, I have focused all of my energy and all of my efforts on the full scale commercialization of Parjana on a global level. Okay, so tell us a little about what Parjana is. Parjana is simply, by the way, in layman terms, because in the end, that's why I'm not a scientist. I'm not an engineer. I'm an ideas guy. I'm a connector guy. I'm a network guy and putting these people together. And what Parjana is simply is an artificial tree root. Tree roots actually create... Uh, capillary action and capillary action is what pulls the water into the earth so the inventor of the technology what he did was he actually studied tree roots he studied mother nature thus he studied biomimicry and through biomimicry which is the studying of nature to solve the world's problems breaking it down to the simplest level how does the earth solve the problem so instead of creating these fancy mechanisms, all these moving parts, all these fancy contraptions. What he did was go back, he went back to the basics, studied mother nature. How does mother nature fix it? Through capillary action. So he actually designed, in essence, a plastic tree root, an artificial tree root. And this tree root enables the capillary action within the earth to actually increase the infiltration rates, creating a hydrological balance within the soil matrix. So instead of when you have all clay, water gets stuck right at the surface layers. And what this technology does is allow the earth to breathe, allow the earth to increase the infiltration, creating a hydrological balance within the soil matrix. So when the earth receives the water, when it rains, the earth can naturally absorb the water as mother nature originally intended. And that's what we're really doing. 
We're just enabling the earth to absorb the water as it was originally intended before we built all this infrastructure, all these roads and all these things. Right. So it, it sounds like it's it's groundwater recharge um, through these these plastic tubes. Can you describe what these tubes look like? These tubes are a specially designed five chamber device, which is patented. It actually has a cap on the top of it. It's buried always at least two feet below the earth, and they're five, 10, and 20 feet in length, all dependent. And what we're really doing is playing with the pressures in the earth. We're, we're harnessing the energy of the earth by playing with gravity, hydrostatic pressure, and a vacuum. And that vacuum is enabling that capillary action to pull that water into the earth and to create natural infiltration. So, so you're, you're the the actual top of the tube, so to speak, is subsurface. It's actually buried. It is buried. It's two feet below the earth. So we have those first two layers for the natural infiltration of you know potential contaminants or anything else that could be on the surface. And the biggest thing is we're not pulling the water down. People just think it's a conduit or it's a it's a it's a well or a class five injection well. And what we've actually demonstrated is that we're actually taking the water further horizontally than we are vertically. And that's really the magic behind the technology. That's the paradigm shift, is we're playing with, instead of force, which all current drainage systems are about, we're actually pulling. And when a water molecule is in the ground, it's actually a molecular form. So we're literally just pulling one molecule at a time by harnessing the, the energy within the earth through the micro layers of the earth and creating that hydrological balance within the soil matrix. The, the, the tube has a cap on it. How does the water get into the, how does the water get into the tube and then start you know being dispersed horizontally? Once again, in very simple, simplistic terms, don't think about the, the, the tube as what's doing the work. Think about the tube as acupuncture for the earth. And all we're doing is just like acupuncture for the body. It's actually releasing that pressure. And we're strategically placing these tubes to release that pressure and to, to create a sustainable hydrological balance within the earth. So the water isn't inherently going to the tube itself. The tube creates the decompaction. It's allowing the earth to breathe, taking micropores and creating meso and macropores. We're just creating more pores. So the earth is naturally absorbing the water. So once again, don't think of the tube is what's actually addressing the water issue. The tube stabilizes the conditions within the earth so the earth can naturally absorb the water when it falls. Got it. Now, what what's the diameter for these tubes? The, the diameter is only an inch and a quarter. Inch and a quarter. Okay. And so, how do you install them? Um, are you are you kind of like have a small auger that goes down in there, or what? What's no, the installation actually, process? That was one of our one of our greatest challenges is we had the, the greatest technology, but it was very difficult for us to implement the technology. How do you get it into the ground? There's lots of ways to drill holes in the ground, but none of them are very efficient. And our biggest thing is. To, to make this technology economically feasible, we had to put these in the ground quickly, efficiently. 
And what we actually had to do was actually partner with a company called AMS, which is one of the world's leading suppliers of geothermal machine. And what they've done, they've got AMS as uh, global service, uh, global sales, global maintenance. And we've leveraged that network to be able to provide equipment anywhere on a global, uh, on a global basis and provide the maintenance for those machines. So really what we're doing is we're augering these holes with something that's called a compaction auger, trying to keep as much dirt in the earth at all times. And we're drilling these holes, placing the devices, and then covering them back up with just the, the existing earth that was there originally. Hmm. And so uh, what determines the depth? You said they came in, in 5, 10, 20-foot lengths. How do you figure out what the correct depth is uh, or, or length of the tube? Each job is a specially designed engineered solution. We have to evaluate. It's not about the land mass, it's about the volume of water that that land is receiving. So we actually customize each engineering solution based upon the, param the parameters, the volume of water, and most importantly, the groundwater flow. Groundwater flows always flowing in different directions. So every single site has a site-specific solution. Okay. And so let's talk about where where this technology uh, is best applied or, or, or the circumstances under which the technology might be deployed. Where, What are some examples you can give me of, of where you would install this technology? Well, it's amazing. Every day we learn more and more applications. One of our greatest assets are also one of our greatest complications in regards to scaling the business. The market segments are truly endless. And as we go on, because the market is the earth, the earth needs our technology. Of course, not everywhere, but a large percentage of the earth can actually be benefit from our technology, from agriculture, from the replacing or mitigating the need for drain tile altogether, which has huge implications in regards to algae blooms, the use of nitrates and phosphates, water consumption, you name it. But then you also have to look at backyards, standing water in backyards. We are a perfect solution to that problem. We can also look at sports fields, golf courses, airports, football fields, soccer fields, anywhere there's standing water on athletic fields, we can address that. And we can address it whether it is a, uh, a natural field or a turf field as well. Because turf, you still have massive issues in regards to stormwater. You've got the municipal aspect. We're working on projects now to basically, what we're doing is water is an asset. However, what we've done in society, we've actually treated rain as a liability. And what Parjana is, it's a paradigm shift that truly changes the way the world manages water. And all we're doing is taking rain and turning it into revenue and treating it as a revenue source instead of treating it as a liability. So whether it's municipal projects and diverting storm water from existing water treatment centers, in essence, what we're doing is we're increasing the capacity of existing stormwater facilities without increasing their infrastructure costs. So there's a huge opportunity there through green infrastructure to massively increase the infiltration capacity of retention ponds, bioswales, rain gardens, and the like. And so 
we're not a one-off, you know, a one-off solution. We're not the solution to all problems. Right now, what we're doing is partnering with existing best management practices to actually create customized solutions to specific problems, whether it's a parking lot, as I mentioned, a golf course, a backyard, agriculture, any infrastructure in the ground has hydrostatic pressure. And what we're doing with infrastructure is really releasing that hydrostatic pressure. So basically anything in the ground, the reason why it's breaking down, and the reason why it needs to be replaced is because that infrastructure has a certain life cycle because of the hydrostatic pressure conditions that it's in. And now all of a sudden with our ability to mitigate that hydrostatic pressure, we can exponentially increase the life of infrastructure within the ground. And think about the ramifications that has in regards to, you've seen the TV shows in regards to the crumbling of the US infrastructure. Think about having a cost-effective solution to prolong the life of these infrastructure projects. Sure, now you said a couple interesting things there. Uh, ag and and using Parjana's solution to deal with you know, uh, essentially phosphorus nitrous nitrate runoff. Um, how how exactly is that is that going to work? Is that is simply because the phosphorus and nitrate is not going to be carried away with traditional stormwater, uh, and it, it will have a chance to to settle into the ground? Correct. Right now, how it works is we have things here in Michigan called high capacity wells. They're pumping the water out of the ground. They're watering the fields, and what's happening is. There's too much water or too little water. And that excess water currently today on the majority of, of farm fields is actually processed through drain tile. It's being discharged through drain, through drain tile. And that, that discharge is going into the rivers, streams, and thus the lakes. And all of those nitrates and phosphates are actually discharging into the rivers and streams. And what happens is the nitrates and phosphates consume mass amounts of oxygen. And now with the depletion of oxygen, that's why you have the algae molds. However, with Perjana, what we do is create a closed loop system. The water that we pull out of the ground, we actually bring back into the ground and create a stabilization of the, 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 uh, the soil matrix. We're creating a hydrological balance. So now imagine a farm field where we're not gonna have flooding. 10% to 20% of all the farm fields in Michigan flood on a yearly basis, depending upon the year. Now, we eliminate that problem. Now we're gonna actually consume less water because no water is gonna be going off site. It's a closed loop system. So no flooding, less water, less nitrates, less phosphates. And we're stabilizing the moisture level, keeping them consistent which stabilizes the oxygen level as well. And the oxygen level in the soils are just as important as the moisture level. So with that stabilization of the moisture and oxygen levels, you're gonna have higher crop yields. So the impact of Perjana truly affects the global world food supply. And that's what we're very excited about. Yeah, it sounds very interesting. Uh, you also mentioned airports. I'm kind of curious, uh, why, why does an airport really care about standing water? Because airports care about birds and they care about wildlife because birds and wildlife 
cost a lot of money for airports, from liability risk to operational risk, you name it, birds and wildlife are attracted to standing water at airports. And with our ability to mitigate and or eliminate standing water at airports, now you, don't, you, you mitigate the habitat for those animals to live. So we've actually spent almost three years with the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, actually uh, uh, collaborating with uh, Dr. Ed Harris. And Dr. Ed Harris studied the Persiana technology on a multitude of levels, on a multitude of our projects, and really analyzed it. And he actually released an independent third-party white paper on the Parjana technologies and the implication from airports. We've had tremendous support from Dr. Ed Harris. Interesting. Um, what about some other things? Uh, if to re- if you're going to reduce standing water, um, there's got to be some some like public health benefits of that too. To you know, so for mosquito breeding grounds and things like that would uh, would dissipate. Have you found anything like that? The uh, the uh, use of the word "some" is it is beyond imagination of how many problems are created by surface water. We're very spoiled here in the United States, and uh, we don't realize how lucky we are to be able to have the infrastructure that we have. But currently today, 70 to 80% of all the people in the third world, 70 to 80% of them who are in the hospital today are there because of surface water disease. That's it, 70 to 80%, malaria, cholera, dysentery, and all the other, all the other related surface water diseases are inflicting mass amount of uh, life-changing implications upon them. And the Gates Foundation spends over $5 billion a year studying all these diseases, studying malaria, cholera, dysentery, and trying to solve the disease. Where at Prajana is what we say is, let's just get rid of the surface water. Now, I'm not a PhD, but one thing I can't figure out is how are you going to have surface water disease if you don't have surface water? So if anything comes out of this, this interview, is if somebody knows Bill Gates, if Bill Gates is watching, just think of the possibilities in regards to the Persiana technology and the implications it has, not only for agriculture, not only for water harvesting, for long-term use of water, but think about the health benefits. And once you stabilize the health aspect of it, you can actually build a community. But until you address health and sanitation, a community cannot develop. Sure, and so if I could, let's pivot a little bit and, and Talk about how did you come up with the technology and where has it been? Where has it been adopted? Where are your kind of best markets for it so far? Well, I actually came up with the technology at a Coney Island restaurant. That's where, <laughs> that's where I met the inventor of the technology. And we always say that uh, Andrew is the brains behind the innovation and I'm the voice of it. And we were running two parallel paths for many, many years. We never knew each other. And then when we met, 
our past eight years of work and experience and what we were doing all combined to provide a very powerful force in regards to bringing this technology to market. Andrew's been working on this for a number of years, but because it was such a paradigm shift, his challenge was the communication. Everybody has different skill sets and a somebody who has the capability to invent the technology most times doesn't have the ability to commercialize the technology. And someone who has the ability to commercialize the technology doesn't have the ability to invent the technology. That's why it's understanding your strengths and understanding your weaknesses and partnering with people who complement you. And that's how we that's how it how it all began uh, when I met Andrew. And from a Coney Island restaurant, we've actually evolved within we actually incorporated March 15th of 2012. And we've already evolved. We've got projects in Michigan and Ohio and in New York. We're working and developing projects in California, Florida. We've got an office in the United Kingdom. We've done the Geneva International Airport. We've done Edge Baston, Edge Baston Cricket Field, the second largest cricket field in the United Kingdom. We've done projects for uh, Belle Isle, which is, the, which is an island which was funded by the state of Michigan. We've done projects for uh, the Cincinnati Reds community fields. So we truly have had incredible success. Uh, not that anything's easy, but we've worked very, very hard to collaborate and work together with thought leaders to create this paradigm shift because we're really writing a new chapter. You cannot find this in any book. There's no scientist who can explain this to you. It's all about demonstrating our capabilities and then measuring that because we're creating a new chapter. We're creating a new chapter in the book. Sure. Your mention of California is interesting. Um, have you had any issues with with prior appropriation states? And, and let me give you a little background. Here in Colorado, uh, there was recently a rain barrel bill uh, that was defeated by the legislature because currently rain barrels are illegal in Colorado. And so, uh, and the argument is that by delaying the, you know, water getting back to the streams, you're harming someone's interest downstream. And so I, I was just curious if you've had any, any experience with that or any, uh, any thoughts on, on how prior appropriation might, uh, factor into, to use of the Parjana technology. We, we haven't dealt too heavily with that issue as of yet, because what we're doing, we're not really holding it in a barrel. All we're doing is allowing the earth to naturally absorb it like mother nature originally intended. So we're just, think about it, we're just activating the earth to enable the earth to naturally absorb that water where the rain falls. But that may be an issue that we, we come across. We've actually got a team out in California today. Sure. In California, the big opportunity is water harvesting. It's about stabilizing those moisture levels within the earth because it's either too dry or it's too wet. And why do you have all that runoff? Why do you have all that flooding? It's because when it rains in California, it's like raining in a parking lot. That soil is so dry that the earth can't naturally absorb it. And so with Prashana's ability to stabilize those moisture levels, we're allowing the earth to capture it. Sure, and I would I would imagine that evaporation rates would decrease where Parjana technology is installed. Correct, 
Correct. And that is directly what we're, uh, we're, we're trying to overcome is to avoid the water from going to when the, when the raindrop falls, we want to capture it via water harvesting and allow the earth to naturally get the water in its processes. And we're trying to avoid it from evaporation, runoff to streams and rivers, and most importantly, stopping it from going to water treatment centers. Sure. Uh, so it sounds like a fantastic technology. Tell how, how much does it cost to get uh, the technology installed, let's say, on a, on a one-acre plot of ground? I mean, You know, the funny thing is there's never a singular answer to that. And the reason for that, it's not about the acre. It's about the volume of water. How much, how many gallons of water does that one acre receive on one inch rain? And if you have a flat piece of land, that receives a different amount of water, different, more gallon or less gallons than, uh, than a, a site that's one acre that's surrounded by hillsides. So it's all about calculating volume. And then also, we actually have to take into the equation. If it's a professional football field, we need to get rid of that water very, very quickly because money is not an object because you need to get a dry field so people can play so they can get their advertising revenue. If it's a college field, there's a different equation. If it's a high school field, there's a different equation. If it's a youth field, there's a different equation. It's all dependent upon if you want your system or your solution designed for a 10-year rain event, 25-year rain event, a 50-year rain event. Are you happy with the standing water there? Do you need that gone right away? Or do you need it gone in 24 hours? Or do you need it gone in 48 hours? And all based upon the customer's expectations, we customize a solution to provide that. Terrific. Well, Greg, you've been absolutely fantastic Fantastic, telling us a little about the Parjana technology and the story behind it and all the benefits. Uh, for those folks who want to find out more about Parjana, and the technology, where can they go to find that information? Uh, you can go right to the World Wide Web. You type in www.parjana.com. That's www.parjana.com. You can go there, click on their inquiries, contact us directly. We've got a, uh, a, an amazing amount of uh, media coverage. And uh, not only am I the co-founder and um CEO of the company. I'm also our PR agency. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, from our local news stations to uh, one of the biggest TV stations in New York, we actually recently received a Forbes, uh, Forbes article. So we're getting a lot of, a lot of media attention. It's just really exciting to be a part of such a world-changing technology because it really changes all aspects of life. It changes the food supply, the water supply, and the human population. I always said that it started off as the greatest opportunity in my life, and it's really evolved into the greatest obligation, not only to myself and my family, to our team, but really to humanity and to give back, because it's an opportunity to not only to create an incredible business, but to create a legacy and really change the world. Terrific. And, and Parjana, for those uh, listening without the ability to write it down, it's P-A-R-J-A-N-A. So it's Parjana.com. We'll put it in the show notes, but uh, just wanted to, to get that out there. Uh, last question, Greg. Where'd the name come from? The name actually came from Andrew Nemchik's family. 
he actually laid out all the names of his family in order. Patrick, Anita, Robert, I'm sorry, Patrick, Angelica, Robert, uh, Yadviga. Uh, then you have uh, Anita, uh, Nemchik, Andrew. So it's the whole, <laughs> his, his whole family laid out. And the amazing thing is, at the time, he didn't know the meaning or the significance of the word Perjana. And when you look up Perjana, it's actually based upon the mythical god, of the Hindu mythical god of thunderstorm and rain. And then you look into it further, and Perjana is actually the process. At one time, the earth had no water, billions of years ago. And the myth is, all the water was trapped in the atmosphere in a plasma. Water has four forms, solid, liquid, gas, and plasma. And the process of breaking down that, that, that plasma is called the process of Parjana, Parjana. And that Parjana is what brought water, thus life, to the earth. And that's kind of like the um, where all the stars collide and everything comes together and really tells us more than this is not just an opportunity. It's the stars are aligning to create change and to do something great. And I'm really proud to be a part of Andrew Niemczyk's invention and really making his dreams a reality. And we're very excited about it. Terrific. Well, Greg, thank you so much for your time again. Really appreciate it. Great. Thank you. You betcha. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed that inter interview with Greg McPartland, Parjana CEO. Very knowledgeable guy. And you could just tell he's really passionate about the Parjana technology. Uh, for the, today's takeaway, I'm just going to focus in on one issue from my discussion with Greg. And the issue I want to explore a little more involves the steadily growing applications for the technology. Uh, as we as we discussed on the podcast, utilities were me mentioned as one of the applications. Uh, stormwater utilities in particular were mentioned as one of the applications in which the Parjana technology could be used, and that's what I want to address. You know, as we continue to develop and redevelop our urban areas and there and create more impervious surfaces, um, I think stormwater utilities can make significant use of the Parjana technology. In particular, there's one type of stormwater utility where I think this application could be huge. Do you have any guesses? I'll pause a sec and just let you think about what stormwater utilities might most benefit from Parjana. Well, in my way of thinking, wouldn't the Parjana technology make a lot of sense in areas with combined sewer systems? You know, the Parjana technology could reduce the inflow into the system, which in turn would lessen the, the treatment load on the treatment plants and would save significant money, I think, in remediation measures, uh, such as boring those massive and expensive underground tunnels that hold sewage overflow uh, during wet weather conditions. Now, I'm not saying that the Parjana technology could eliminate the need for those tunnels, uh, but I bet that with a widespread rollout, the size and expense of the tunnels could be dramatically reduced. And because less stormwater is making its way into the combined system, uh, we'll see less surcharging and uh, less combined sewer overflows within the collection system itself, not just at the treatment plant. Plus, I, I want to look at the benefits uh, of the Parjana technology where it would be stalled at the locales it would be installed in. And currently, rather than than the Parjana technology uh, causing infiltration of that stormwater into into the surrounding groundwater, that water is held. It, you know, it enters the collection system, uh, hits the treatment plant. 
potentially is diverted to a holding tank or a tunnel and then is treated and then discharged into the river. With the Parjana technology, that stormwater is going back into the ground. It's becoming part of the groundwater, and it's really restoring the groundwater to its native state before a lot of impermeable surfaces were constructed um, over it. And so that extra groundwater, I think, can essentially be stored for periods uh, where there's less rain, meaning that I think we can reduce the amount of irrigation needed. And I view that as less stress on the water distribution infrastructure because you'll be sh- uh, shaving irrigation-induced peaks. So I think that can, that can ease some of the strain on our water infrastructure. I understand there's a revenue component. The water utility won't be selling as much um, uh, if irrigation loads are reduced. But again, I think that by, by increasing the groundwater levels like the Parjana technology can, can do, I think there, there are benefits that are worthwhile and worth exploring to see if that could be a new paradigm for how we deal with stormwater. So, you know, that's my take on how the Parjana technology might have a place in stormwater utilities, especially those that are combined sewer systems. Well, you can check out the show notes for this session at thewatervalues.com pod 64. Leave me a comment on the show notes or email me at david at thewatervalues.com. You can also tweet at me at DTM1993, and you can tweet about the podcast using the hashtag watervalues. And please do me a favor. Please rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or any other podcast directory on which you listen to the show. That's a great way for people to find out about the podcast. And as I indicated at the top of the show, you know, please take that listener survey, which can be done at thewatervalues.com. And don't forget to sign up for the Water Values newsletter there, too. In closing, please remember to keep the core message of the Water Values podcast in mind as you go about your daily business. Water is our most valuable resource, so please join me by going out into the world and acting like it. listening to the Water Values Podcast. Thank you for spending some of your day with my dad and me. Thank you for tuning into the disclaimer. I'm a lawyer licensed in Colorado and Indiana, and this podcast does not establish an attorney-client relationship with you or anyone else. And information in this podcast should not be considered legal advice. Further, this podcast is not a solicitation for professional employment. I'm just a lawyer who finds water issues interesting and who believes greater public education about water issues is necessary. And that includes enhancing my own education about water issues because no one knows everything about water. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.